You're listening to The Problem with Poverty, a podcast that helps bring awareness to the causes and consequences of poverty, as well as ways that we can overcome the problems with poverty together. Our company, Community Action Partnership of North Alabama, serves 28 counties in our beautiful state. According to 2019 estimates by the U.S. Census, Alabama was the seventh poorest state with 15.5% of its residents living in poverty, as compared with a U.S. average of 11.1%. Our goal with this show is to highlight all of the opportunities that we and our partners have to help people overcome poverty as we focus on helping people changing lives. Welcome to the Problem with Poverty podcast. I'm your host, Holly Hicks. Our guest today is Chantal Collier, Director of the Foster Grandparents Program at Community Action Partnership of North Alabama. Chantal holds a bachelor's degree in science from the University of Alabama and a master's degree from Alabama A&M. Chantal's background working in local school systems has given her extensive knowledge in the importance of placing senior adult volunteers in classrooms to bridge developmental and learning gaps for children with special needs. Foster grandparent volunteers must be income eligible to receive a tax-free stipend for their service. Chantal works with local partners to help volunteers with limited incomes with services such as transportation and technology. Welcome, Chantal. Thank you for having me. Let's get right into this with the role of the Foster Grandparent Program in addressing poverty. In 1973, the Foster Grandparents Program was formed from the Domestic Volunteer Service Act to provide opportunities for persons 60 and older to work part-time in a variety of community service activities. Poverty has increased among Americans 65 and older from 8.9% in 2020 to 10.3%, according to the latest U.S. Census Bureau data. To make matters worse, Older adults are the only age segment that experienced an increase. The increase means one million more senior adults rely on resources to help them make ends meet. One resource includes the Foster Grandparent Program. What exactly is the Foster Grandparent Program? I like to call the Foster Grandparent Program a dual-purpose program, meaning it serves not only the volunteer, the older adult, but the children as well. Um, Our volunteers go into the classrooms and they mentor or tutor children in reading and math. And then the children um, get to provide companionship and emotional support to the volunteers as well. Do the volunteers have to have an education background to serve in the classroom? They don't. Most of our volunteers um, are low income, like you said, and they just like to volunteer their time um, just to stay active. The Domestic Volunteer Act said in 1988 that the Foster Grandparent Program is, quote, an enormously popular and cost-effective means of providing worthwhile community services. Would you agree? Describe the worthwhile services and how they are cost-effective. Yes, I would totally agree that um, the Foster Grandparent Program is cost-effective. The return on investment for this program is particularly high because uh, it's saving money for health care, assisted living, and not only is the school gaining by having those extra set of hands and eyes in the classroom, they're um, getting that for free without having to pay a, an additional employee for pay and benefits. And we mentioned at the beginning that these are volunteers that receive a tax-free stipend. If they're being paid, how are they volunteers? It's not necessarily 
paid. Um, they're just receiving a stipend for their time. They're not employees. They do this at will. They work as much as they want to. Um, they can stop whenever they get ready. They can reduce their hours. This is all up to them. They build it around their lifestyle. How many hours do they work? Normally, my volunteers are working from 20 to 40 hours a week. So they enjoy getting in that classroom at least about eight hours a day to get that child um, some one-on-one -on -one attention. Do they serve only one child? Do they serve more than one child? The teacher usually pairs them with about four children who are having trouble, um, but they do s some small groups, but um, they do also pull one-on-one -on -one to work on things as well. Social Security and Medicare are the primary sources of retirement security for many, but they are not sufficient enough to lift older adults like the foster grandparents out of poverty. How does the foster grandparent program help close the gap for older Americans? I believe we bridge that gap because like we said, they're receiving a tax-free stipend. Um, and right now, it's 315 but in July, it's going to go up to $4, which when I started, it was at 265 With that extra money, they get to buy groceries, you know, um, pay a bill that they might need to cover. They can go out to dinner and a movie. And a lot of my volunteers, during the holidays, they like to buy gifts for their students. So they're giving back to the children in their classroom. If they're older adults and they're serving in the classroom, do they transport themselves to the classrooms? Do they have local transportation? How does that work? We provide our volunteers with both. So if we don't have someone who drives, we do partner with um, a community transportation. And then also our drivers, they get paid mileage. So they're getting 40 cents to the mile to and from their location. So it's not a burden for them to transport themselves. That helps with their gap in income as well. Yes. Excellent. And that leads us to the discussion of the pay gap. Rates of inflation and the cost of living adjustments for Social Security and Medicare create an additional financial burden on aging Americans. What are the financial outcomes for foster grandparent volunteers? So through this program, like I said, our volunteers like to work. They like to be in those classrooms. So most of my volunteers are working 40 hours a week. And at the end of the month, most of them are earning between 300 and 500 extra dollars, which is a lot for an individual on a fixed income. Not only is it helping them financially, but it's helping them stay active. And it's also providing that emotional benefit as well. Um, a lot of our volunteers say that's the biggest reward for them, that they go into the classroom, they get to see those kids every day, they're calling them grandma or grandpa, and they get that attention that that child's craving for that they might not get at home. Do they report to you health benefits, social benefits when you meet with them? Yes. I think the biggest benefit that I've heard from the volunteers is that social aspect of it. I know during COVID, it hit them pretty hard. They were all just wanting to get back in the classroom. So when they finally got back in there, it was a little rough at first. Um, they were getting tired quicker. Some health issues came up. But as soon as they recover, they're right back in the classroom. 
this program we have said already that is a federally funded program. Aren't there government programs already that serve seniors? I'm sure there are, but I don't know of any that serve uh, the, vo the older population as well as my program does. Like I said, they receive a tax-free um, stipend that totals anywhere from three to $500 a month. Um, that bridges that gap because they are on a fixed income. Their budget stays the same, even when inflation costs go up, grocery bills go up, and gas prices rise. I know in my meetings, my volunteers tend to tell me their biggest problems that they have is being able to buy groceries. Even though they're one person, it still takes a lot of money to feed that one person for, let's say, two weeks. Do your volunteers, because they serve in schools, have meals provided for them to help with that grocery budget? We do get in-kind dollars. Uh, the Decatur City School System provides breakfast and lunch for our volunteers, so that helps too. And we'll ask you a question that we ask every guest. What does someone living in poverty have to do with me, and why should I care? Me being a servant leader, um, I think that's what drives me is being able to help people overcome their barriers and giving them tools to be better overall. So why not would you want to help somebody get out of poverty so they could be a better version of themselves? So is the responsibility for overcoming poverty the community's responsibility, the individual, the government? How do you see that? I think it's a combination of all three. Of course, it starts with yourself because you have the ability to do better for yourself, but in the end, um, the government has a big impact as well. Um, they tend to keep people in poverty, um, looking at communities and the access that they have to quality nutrition or um, parks and recreation. I think that has government written all over it. So, in the end, all three, but it comes down to the government, ultimately. And I have one last question I thought about with some of your answers. With other programs available in your program, have you gotten better access for your volunteers with other programs that they otherwise may not have had access to or even known about? I don't think so. I know those who live in the... Um, the towers, the older assistant livings, they do have people come in and tell them about things, but majority of my volunteers are calling me, asking me about when does the farmer market vouchers come out, or is there a church that's giving away free groceries? Um, I know during Christmas and Thanksgiving, we try to tell them about all the things that are going on in the community so they can have access to it. Chantal, thank you for your perspective on the foster grandparent program and your wealth of knowledge about poverty and how older Americans are affected. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me.